0: And you and Scott and Sarah are standing by.
1: They everybody's starting to come in now, including media members. Okay. But wait, you got to make sure you do it from the right account. So why
0: don't you just cue me by saying, uh, "Paul, we're ready to start," and I'll just okay.
1: Perfect. It's preparing okay, yeah. the live. Preview.
0: Okay. And
2: then you click go live as soon as you're ready.
1: Working.
2: Add a title. Okay. Almost ready.
1: We should be, we should be live.
2: Yep, Josh sees it. Okay. All right, Paul,
1: we can get started.
0: All right, you want to bring folks in?
1: Yep, I'm getting Scott and a couple of media members on and we're going to go. There's Sarah. Scott and Sarah have been admitted. Hello.
0: Hello, everybody. Oh, Sarah's outside. That's not fair. (laughs)
2: <laughs> How's it going?
0: Good, good. Well, listen. I know we're uh, we're gathering some people here, and we're also uh, broadcasting live on on Facebook Live. So I want to welcome everybody who's uh, joining us for the the media event here, and also for those who are following along uh, on social. Um, Paul Swangard here to kind of get everybody set to uh, get excited about this event in December. The marathon project coming. On December the 20th in Chandler, Arizona. The fields were announced today and Ben Rosario is uh, also on this call. A reminder for our media members we'll do a little bit of a quick uh, Q&A with our uh, featured guests and then we'll turn it over to you if you have some individual questions and Ben will outline in the in the chat box in, uh, in our Zoom call here how you can get into the queue to ask questions and want to spend more time uh, Having you guys be able to interact with our uh, our guests and uh, hear from me, but Ben, let's start with you and and let's now that we've kind of got the the event announced and the fields announced. Can you just again remind all of us uh, kind of the, wh- the why we're doing this? What's the inspiration for this event, and and obviously your excitement for now being able to talk about the athletes that will be involved?
1: Sure, as people could probably guess, the why is completely related to. The COVID-19 pandemic and the cancellations of most of the big city marathons across the world. Obviously, we were very fortunate to get the Virgin Money London Marathon in uh, a couple of weeks ago, as I'm sure we'll dig into here in a second. Uh, and I thought that was a great format. And and we, we believe that even though it's very difficult right now, I guess you would say impossible to hold a 40,000 person race like New York or Boston or Chicago. Uh, we do believe that you can safely put on a controlled race with just professional athletes. Um, and that's why, that's why this idea came about or that's where this idea came about. And uh, you know, the how is essentially, okay, we think a hundred is a good number. So 50 men, 50 women, we ended up allowing a little bit more than that on both sides, allowing for, for some attrition over the course of the next couple of months. But that's a number that we feel is, is very uh doable if you look at let's say the pga tour they're having 150 person professional golf events with no fans so we know that number is is doable and 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 we'll follow all the guidelines put forth by usatf and world athletics and the state of arizona you know everybody will have to be tested before they come in Uh, you know we'll we'll have some testing on site that weekend and and of course all the volunteers are going to be masked up socially distant gloves uh, we're, we're going to have a safe event. Uh, but the exciting part is that we're going to have an event and we're going to have, if you looked at the fields today, many of the top marathoners in the United States, but also Mexico, also Canada. And then we have athletes that are training here in North America, but from other countries, we have an incredible athlete from Ukraine, a couple of Eritrean athletes, uh, one of the best Peruvian athletes. So it, it's a field that I, you know, I'd have to say that you 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 would see it a world marathon major outside of maybe you know the 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 two hundred four type men and maybe the sub two twenty type women. Other than that, and and maybe from a depth perspective, you could also argue it's it's even deeper than you would see at a world marathon major. So, uh, we're we're just super excited about the uh, the event as a whole.
0: Yeah, and and I guess are you. I mean, going through this process, obviously you did some pre-selling of the idea into uh, coaches and agents and, and athletes. Are, are you at all surprised by the the quality of the field you've been able to gather, or was this always your hunch that you knew you could put something like this together at this level of, uh, of quality?
1: It was definitely the hunch and some of the early feelers we put out. You know, Josh Cox is, is one of my partners on this thing, as is Matt Helbig, my old business partner from St. Louis. He's, he's doing the operations uh, side of it. Josh is doing a lot of the sponsors and broadcast uh things but but of course he's super connected in the in the world of running so he was one of the ones or he along with myself put out feelers early on and you could just tell that nobody was saying no everybody was saying yes everybody was saying yes we absolutely want to do this and so we we did have a pretty good idea you know in the summertime that this was going to work as long as we could pull it off logistically we knew we could get a good field together and, and we did
0: well, good. Well, uh, well, it'll be exciting and we'll, uh, we'll keep you around so if folks have specific questions about logistics and the, the how and why, we'll, uh, we'll obviously have you back here for some of the Q&A. But let's turn our attention now to the athletes and let's start with, uh, with the headline value. I think that everyone's eager and excited to see her back on U.S. soil running at her very best, and that's Sarah Hall. And Sarah... You know, welcome back after the uh, the glorious performance in London, 2:22:01. We were uh, in the midst of that call on NBC, and just excited to see that uh, that that sprint to the finish that you've been showing since your your high school days at those Footlocker races. But uh, as you kind of reflect on that experience and getting safely back home, how has the recovery been, and uh, and why another race on the calendar in uh, in 2020?
2: Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm so excited to be back home and recovering well, thankfully, from London. Um, it's the best recovery I've had from a marathon so far. Um, having a flat course definitely helps with that. And uh, and just the more marathons I get under my belt, I feel like the better I handle the training and handle the race. Um, and so, so yeah, I was really excited, you know, to hear about the marathon project um, here in my home state of Arizona. and and definitely had that a little bit in the back of my mind, but was really trying not to have any kind of plan B out there in London and was, was fully kind of focused on that event. And, um, and so, but I knew kind of after we got through that, that, you know, day of the race, we were, we were already talking about what was next. And, and um, so, so yeah, it, it's, I'm really thankful that Ben Rosario and Josh Cox are two of the hardest workers in this industry for sure, for, for putting together this opportunity for us in a year that's, been really difficult. And um, obviously, as someone that races more than uh, more than most, it's, it's been really hard for me. Um, and, and so, yeah, I can't wait to toe the line again. It's just, it's just such a gift.
0: And, and everyone's had to be creative, right? I mean, you came out to Eugene with your family and put together that half marathon PB in, in early August. But now here's an opportunity where, you know, for the first time, really, since we were all together in Atlanta, we're going to have a large group of, of athletes in the U.S. Had, I'm sure you've had conversations with other athletes.
2: Oh, huge. It's a, a great moment of feeling that connection to um, to other athletes again, even though we were kept very distant by our trackers that were beeping if we got within six feet. I think um, just to, to be able, it was such a bright spot. And um and that was something that I was really hoping my race could be was um, to, to provide some inspiration and a boost during this time when there, it's, been, it's been difficult for everyone. Everyone's struggling with motivation and, um, and yeah, just during these times. And so, um, so, yeah, I think the Marathon Project will similarly be. Hopefully we can provide some inspiring races again and, and keep people getting out the door and, and putting in the work right now.
0: And final question from me for you is just kind of what would you define as, as success going into this one? I mean, a lot of talk obviously going into London was about that, that PB and, uh, and the podium finish was, was kind of icing on the cake, but as you come back just about what, 11 weeks later from that race, you know, what's your, what's your expectation?
2: Yeah, it was, it was actually kind of opposite for me where um, the podium was the, was the focus and the PB was kind of the afterthought where, London was really about competing, and um, to get on the podium was was a dream come true there, and I, I I did everything I could have done in that race, so I feel really, really grateful for that, but at the same time, it wasn't a great opportunity to run fast. Um, I ran almost every step of that race alone, besides when I was passing someone for a couple steps, and so um, that's, that's not ideal for me, and the conditions were were tough, so I'm really looking forward to an opportunity, hopefully, to run run faster. Assuming my body kind of responds to uh, regrouping and doing somewhat of another marathon build up here. This is kind of uncharted territory for me to have. Um, I'm used to like the, the quick turnaround, um, but not like having enough time to really like put in another build up. So, um, so yeah, that that would be my hope is to to run faster than I did in London.
0: All right. We'll stand by. Enjoy the sunshine here for a few minutes. We'll get you back in for the, the Q&A. Let's turn our attention now to the men's side of the ledger. Scott Fable joining us. And Scott, you know, we visited together uh, in early July when you were part of another effort that Ben had put together, which was the, uh, the event up in Utah where you ran the 5K. It was the only race between we saw you in Atlanta uh, in the top 15 finish there and then on to uh, coming back here for this uh, December event. Just g- can you explain how the year has gone for you and how you kept your motivation and training and what it means now to have an opportunity to run a, a full marathon distance here in a in a f- couple of months?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the year has been, I mean, it's obviously been tough for everybody. And I think I'd be lying to you if I said that my motiv- motivation had been 100% all year. Um, I suffered from like a little bit of a uh, Or what are we doing right now a fatigue i think like most people um but now that we have like a a concrete event on the table coming up that i'm like really really excited for this is up my alley i like the marathon i like the training for the marathon um i and frankly i want like a little bit of redemption against all those guys who beat me at the trials like i don't consider the trials a success so i would love to come back and have a positive experience at the end of the year um, so right now my motivation is really high. So I think like most people it's waned and, and grown. So, um, yeah, I'm just happy to be, have another opportunity to race really. And, and that's been motivating me for the last few weeks here.
0: And, and Scott, I, I asked Sarah about it. I mean, she obviously had the benefit of that biosphere experience, a uh, uh, socially distanced version in, in London. You know, what, what will it mean to you to be again, Part of a community that you know, I think you know for all of us, and I see some familiar faces that I would normally have a chance to interact with at uh, events around the the globe, really. And we haven't seen each other in you know ten months. What what will that that social connection mean to you, just as as being part of this sport?
3: It'll be great. I mean, it's been um, it's been we. I think we as a team, as NAZ Elite team, has made the best out of the situation that has been presented to us, and we've had our own little community, but. Um, I'm excited to get to see a lot of my friends from the circuit you know I know that just looking at the field uh, my former college teammate Reed Buchanan will be there um, good friend Noah Drotty like there'll be a lot of guys that I just enjoy seeing at all the races around the across, around the year so um,
0: yeah I mean it'll just be good to catch up with guys that I, I haven't seen in a while and I consider friends well and and I think the for the fans out there who are watching uh, and are getting ready for this as well just you know a chance to to maybe kind of End the year with a little bit of optimism that uh, you know hopefully this race will come together and you guys will be able to run safe and healthy and you know throughout the the events that I've been fortunate to be able to cover over the course of this pandemic year it's just always been amazing to see the performances that. I don't think if we go back in seven months time and said, would we have predicted, you know, whether it be in the, in the track realm of Amanda uh, Duplantis or uh, Carson Varholm or what we saw, you know, in London with the performances, Chep Gay has obviously run very well on the track and on the roads. I mean, I think, is there, is there a moment of inspiration in our sport with an event like this to, you know, kind of celebrate what you guys have as elite athletes gone through and you're still, you're still training through it, you're, you're all teaching us that, you know, Hey, there's better days ahead, but you got to keep grinding to get where you want to go.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, I'm just happy to have an opportunity to race again. Um, if there's some sort of inspiration that comes from that, I think that's amazing. Um, but for me, my focus is, is on just getting to the line healthy. Hopefully this event goes off without a hitch. I have every confidence that it will, um, and yeah, just crushing this thing and uh whatever people take from that will be great. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a really good event.
0: I'll get one question more for you Scott. I would uh, encourage any of our folks who are on the call that would like to ask Ben Sarah or uh, Scott a question just go ahead and put yourself into the chat room and put yourself in a queue and I'll be happy to call on you after uh, after this next question we'll keep driving this conversation if you don't have any additional questions but Scott obviously this field is um, you know is set up to be fast and you know I think a lot of it sounds like a lot of athletes coming into this December window closing to the end of the year you know it's it's a chance to try to run as fast as possible. Do you feel like the motivation is going to be there for uh, everyone to kind of push themselves to the limit here?
3: Yeah, of course. I don't think, I mean, it would be kind of, I think people show up to every race hoping to accomplish whatever their goal is and um, is at that race. And, you know, if at a race like New York or Boston, everyone's goal is to compete. At a race like Chicago or Berlin or London, the goal is to run fast. And this will be more like a Chicago, Berlin, London. And I think we saw it last, last year at Chicago, uh, last time it happened, that if you get a good critical mass of solid guys who are willing to share the lead, um, people can run really quick. You know, Jake Riley ran 210 low and was the top American, and Scott Smith was 211 low, and there were a bunch of guys in between. So um, I think we can get that same energy, and I have every belief that we can. um, I think we can go faster than that and hopefully run even quicker, and I hope to challenge my PR. So I think everyone will be on, on board with the trying to run fast train.
0: All right. Well, th- thanks for that perspective. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be exciting to to watch all of you compete at your very best. And, and again, a lot of motivation, I think for some folks, just because the fact they haven't had those opportunities like yourself. All right. Jonathan Galt wins the uh, the prize of the day for getting first into the queue. So we'll bring him in. And I believe his question is for Sarah. Jonathan, good to see you. Hey,
3: yeah. Good to see you as well, Paul. Um, yes, yeah, Sarah, congrats on the run in London. And, I guess my question is about, you ran 2.22 there, which you said is a PR, but the conditions obviously weren't great. How much faster do you think you could have run in good conditions, and will the American record be something you might target in this race in Arizona?
2: Yeah, um, I don't know. It's hard to speculate. You know, I think London, I was so, so grateful for the opportunity to race. I I think I was – the happiest person out there maybe but at the same time it was kind of the perfect storm of like running completely alone like absolutely silence out there with no spectators or no like even music most of the course and um and just yeah tough conditions definitely wind and cold rain is not ideal and so um you know I don't know I think um uh, the American record I think is something that my training's shown I am capable of at some point um and you know I've I'm able to run long tempos in the five twenties pretty consistently in altitude now. So um I think five nineteen pace is um the record pace. So I think that is a good indicator. Um and I think it's gonna take having an A Day. Um so so yeah, we'll see.
0: <laughs> hey Ben, can you can you briefly describe the the race courses it's set up? it's similar in loop like we saw in London, correct?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a 4.3 mile loop where, first of all, the road is as flat as you could be or as flat as it could be. There's no there's no camber to it. There's no there's no potholes, no cracks. It's, it's actually very little. It's, it's not used that often, so it's really nice surface. Uh, you essentially go down one side of the median. You have a roundabout now on the map it looks like it's a 180 but it's not it's a roundabout Sarah actually saw it Uh, Sarah and Ryan actually saw it uh, fairly recently Uh, so you you have a roundabout at one end you come down the other side of the median and then you have another roundabout at the other end so it's essentially 2.1 something uh, around but it's a 4.1 mile loop because you're going out and back for one loop so you do that six times Uh, there's the extra distance uh, at the beginning and at the end uh, you finish inside um, kind of the middle of this whole venue uh, next to this big event center. It, it, sh- it should, for an event without spectators, it should have a fairly good atmosphere to it because of that out-and-back style and because it's a mixed-gender race. So there's going to be a lot of action out on the course the whole time. Uh, but, but as far as just physiologically, it's flat and it's fast. I don't know that I can think of any route we could have made faster unless it was literally just 26 miles down a straight road. So it's a very fast course.
0: Jonathan, back to you. Do you have a follow-up with, with the question for Scott?
3: Yeah, I was interested in his, his plan. I mean, I know he has this on the calendar now, but 2021 you were, you know, the last Olympic trials, you were fourth in the 10 K and you didn't make the Olympic team in the marathon. Are you going to, plan on running 10,000 trials next year? Do you have an idea yet? We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I have no, have not put anything on the calendar for 2021. I'm 100% in on this. Uh, So, um, you know, even if I take a month after the trial or after the marathon project, that would leave me like six months to get ready for the, the track. So that's plenty of time. I don't think we need to put the cart before the horse by any means on that. So um, all in for the marathon project. We'll figure out what's next after that.
0: Aaron, thanks for uh, putting yourself in the queue. Welcome in. And uh, you have a question for Sarah.
2: I do. Thank you. Um, hi, Sarah. Hey. Um, I <laughs> uh, just wanted to see, you know, you've always, like you just mentioned, you've always filled your calendar with a lot of racing. And I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about sort of what kind of coping mechanisms you used um, that were helpful during the pandemic when that just wasn't an option for you. Yeah, um, yeah, this race is, or this year was really, really tough. I think that's what made London so sweet was just after um, such a challenging year of, you know, that my last race was the trials, which was the biggest heartbreak of my career. And, um, and then, but like, kind of the the way you encourage yourself after that is like, well, well, I gained all this fitness during the build up. I want to use that towards something else. Like, I'll have future races and I'll have the track trials and like just throwing yourself towards those new goals. And then all of those were canceled, canceled, canceled. And and um, you just yeah, it's hard to find the redempt redemptive part of the trials. Um, and so I don't know if I really, yeah, it's, I I don't. I don't know what advice I would give people I it was kind of just taking it a day at a time and as Scott said I mean motivation definitely waned at times but I think um for me I've just come to really love the grind of training and um like I didn't need the carrot of a race to to train hard because I just love I love training hard and like I would be doing it even if we knew there weren't going to be races for three years from now because like I just love like getting out there and like pushing myself to my max all the time and um and so i think that's really what helped me was just like a love for the journey and um and just knowing that like the work i put in now is going to build it builds upon itself just seeing that really linear progression in my marathon career where it's like each build up um builds on the last one so so i knew like even if there aren't races for a long time like what i do now matters and reminding myself that and um, and also just finding little things to celebrate along the way. I think like, um, like finding, you know, like the, a long stretch of injury, uh, period without injury was, was something to celebrate. And, and sometimes it's, yeah, going and doing a time trial and, um, and just encourage yourself that you're on track and stuff. So, yeah, it took, it took a lot of intrinsic motivation, um, which was tiring. Like I think I had moments of feeling burnout which I haven't felt since 2013. Um, and I was kind of like, whoa, what is this? Like where I was like, oh, I just want to take a long break. And like, I'm never saying that. <laughs> so um, I think it, it definitely took its toll at times. But I think also that intrinsic motivation I gained during that time is what got me through London where I was running completely alone in silence. And um, I think you, you build that, um, that fire inside you during, during those challenging times.
0: Hey, Ben, I'll bring you in as the, as the coach in this uh, conversation. You know, wh- what have you noticed in, in working with athletes during this particular year as you would answer Aaron's question as it, uh, as it relates to, to the coach?
1: I would say that, though we didn't do this right away, it took some figuring, but what, what, we, what we figured out eventually and, and what I've been telling people as, as my advice would be to create certainty in uncertain times. So we were able to create certainty by getting that St. George race on the schedule. Um, you know, Jesse Williams did a wonderful job with his sunset tour meets out in, out in uh, California. So once we had those on the schedule and then we created a race for ourselves in Santa Barbara, uh, we did a virtual race against Lee Troops group. Once we had those things on the schedule, then it began to feel more normal for us because that's how, that's our life, right? Sarah, Scott, all, all these athletes uh, at all different levels. If we started in high school, we're used to, hey, it's cross-country season. The state meet is November 10th. Hey, it's track season. The state meet is May 30th, right? And then and on and on and on through college and into the professional world. So to take that certainty away is really, really difficult. To put it back feels wonderful. And so if you're just a regular person out there, um, an age grouper, create that certainty for yourself, like Sarah said, by putting a time trial on your schedule and maybe getting some friends to do it with you and training for that time trial and all of a sudden your life will feel a little bit more balanced and normal.
0: Scott would you add something to that because I think uh, you know we, we've all been thinking about that as well in, in everything we do around the sport is you know those, those young you know high school runners the collegiate athletes you know so much upheaval in their planning and, and in some cases they've got you know winter season's now happening in the spring or fall season's happening in the spring. I mean, what would your advice be to the, you know, to the young runner might be watching this on Facebook or runner space and, you know, what, what would you say would guide them through this uh, this moment of uncertainty just to keep grinding and try to be the better the better person, just trying to improve each and every day?
3: Uh, Yeah, man, I mean, I guess that's good advice. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I kind of feel, um, I feel like kind of like a fraud giving people advice because I've been stumbling my way through it just like everybody else. Like I don't have any sort of sage wisdom. Um, You know, I mean, I think one phrase that we've um, embraced a little bit lately is like acceptance without pacificity. So like, it's not realistic to like deny our circumstances. And right now you kind of have to accept that we got dealt like a a bad hand Um, as a world, we got dealt a rough hand, Um, but that doesn't mean you have to like lay down or roll over about it. You know, like you don't have to, there are still steps you can take to improve your situation and whether that's improving it um, physically, like in terms of training or whether that's improving it mentally in terms of just finding a way to be happy every day, Um, in terms of relationships, whether that's, cultivating ones you already have or reaching out to new people. Um, I guess that's my advice, acceptance without pacificity. Just don't deny the situation, but, you know, try to make the best of it.
0: Hey, that's sage wisdom without calling it sage wisdom. So I appreciate the, uh, I appreciate
3: I don't want to take credit for it.
0: Yeah. I mean, so much of what we witness is, you know, y- your inspiration is just being out there doing what you do. And, and I think there's, you know, there's literally hundreds of thousands of athletes in this, you know, this high participatory sport in the United States that look to you guys for inspiration. And if you're just doing what you do, I think, uh, you know, you're speaking volumes and, and sharing, you know, good advice by just, uh, you know, being a good role model as even, uh, you know, you don't think you maybe are, Necessarily, but you absolutely are and uh, encourage you to keep doing what you do. So, hey, Ben, before we, I don't have any other questions in the queue from our our guests online. Anything else you want to add that we didn't cover about the event itself or, you know, kind of where we go from here in terms of process that gets us to uh, late December?
1: Well, I guess just since we're on here and it'll be archived, I suppose, on, on Facebook and Runnerspace. Uh, a, qu- a couple of quick thank yous, and, th- and then a couple of quick, quick logistical items. So, first of all, thank you for everybody that came today. This was very short notice, so I appreciate it. Particularly Sarah and Scott. Um, Sarah, it looks like we caught you like mid-run or something. Should be resting?
2: No, this is just, you know, I live in a rural area, so this is this is my office. <laughs> got it,
1: got it. No, I, I thank you to everybody who's here. Um, you know, Josh Cox, who we've mentioned a couple times. He and I have been working on this for several months, and he's, um, he's been critical in, in making this happen. Uh, we have some announcements coming down the pike from Josh uh, about the broadcast uh, situation, let's call it, uh, that, that is going to be very exciting, I think. Uh, again, Matt Helbig, who I mentioned mm-hmm. at the top, he's our, he's our race operations director, and he's, he's been vital in getting this course set up, uh, measured, It's going to be World Athletics certified, so some of these international athletes that are competing can qualify for their Olympic uh, teams. Um, And and then I would just say, you know, for the fans, don't worry. We're going to continue to come out with more and more information about how you can watch. Uh, The only way you can watch in person, as of right now, is to volunteer. But that information is going to come out next week, and we do have a lot of volunteer positions. So if you live certainly in the Arizona area. Uh, We would love to have you sign up to volunteer and I would just say for the sport as a whole, kind of, kind of echoing what Scott said, you know, we can do this. Um, We can, we can, we can put on events and whether it was some of the track meets that you saw this, this summer or the London marathon or what we're doing uh, coming up here or what Kevin Hansen is doing in Michigan coming up here in a couple of weeks. Let's do these things. Let's do them really safely. um, And let's take all the, all the precautions we possibly can but, but our sport is a professional sport too, just like football and baseball and basketball and soccer that you're watching on TV. Our sport is professional too. And uh, and we're going to move it forward.
0: Yeah. And, and let's use this as a, as a moment of inspiration again, talking about what Sarah and Scott said. So, you know, if, if you've, you know, going into the winter, you just don't know how you're going to get yourself to December with all the unknowns coming up in the next couple of months, circle December 20th and tell yourself you're going to run an equivalent marathon by then, or, uh, you know, give yourself a, a reason to want to be part of this. And, uh, you know, there'll be many ways for you to feel like you're connected to this. And then we'll come together on the 20th uh, to your point, Ben, and hopefully celebrate the fact that, uh, you know, 10 days before the, uh, the eventual change to the new year, we're all surviving and we're still competing. And, uh, if we can say we did that in 2020, I think, uh, you know, the best years are to come, don't you think?
1: I do think that. And, and we, do have, we do have a virtual race, too. I forgot that part. So one, one of our things was because this isn't a 40,000-person race like New York, Chicago, Boston, Berlin, et cetera, we didn't want it to be – it is professional only live and in person – but we still feel like engaging the fans in every way we possibly can is super important. And so there will be actually not a virtual race, but a virtual challenge over the course of 26 days leading to December 20th. That information is also about to come out. We have a charity partner for it. Uh, And of course it is going to be a revenue generator for this event. And and the more revenue we're able to generate through sponsors, through the virtual challenge, the better we're going to make this event for the athletes in person and for the fans watching. So uh, keep an eye out for that as well. That's my last
0: Yeah, yeah. sorry, to, sorry to, uh, to to tease that, but I knew it was coming and uh, look forward to that as well. I mean, I think we all recognize that maybe one of the biggest you know, economic disasters coming out of all these large-scale road races not happening this year is that they are sizable generators of, uh, of charitable contributions, in, and Sarah knew that well, because London, I think, is the single largest one-day fundraising event in the world each and every year. So if we can do our small part to attach a charitable component and get people uh, to uh, to participate in a, in a virtual way we'll, uh, we'll be doing uh, right by what the spirit of a lot of these events have been over the years. So my thanks to, uh, to Sarah and Scott on the participatory side. Ben, great to see your team doing what you do well, which is come up with cool ideas and look forward to seeing that uh, in late December. And uh, thanks to the members of the media who joined us here and uh, the folks on Facebook and runnerspace.com. I'll uh, look forward to talking more about this event in the weeks to come. Thanks, everybody can wait.